0: This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Elon Musk says Tesla Motors will cut 10% of its salaried workforce because of an impending recession. We'll have the details and our reactions to that coming up. Experts say the nation's electric grid needs a tune-up, if we are to see larger number of EVs on the road, so we'll give you the details on that in the next segment, we'll probably have some comment on that too. Mercury on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com auto hyphen insurance. Hi, I'm Jack D. Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague. We're always glad to have Chris with us. He lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, what's going on car-wise, Chris, Father's Day is behind us. I'm curious, did did you guys, you're a family man, obviously, you talk about it in each show. Uh, what did the Teague family do on uh, Father's Day?
1: We actually had an amazing weekend, Jack. Uh, I was telling you before the show last week, half of my street on one side is closed down for construction. So uh, there's no through traffic, which is not the busiest street ever. But we went from a little bit of traffic to almost none. Uh, so we invited all the neighbors down and had a block party in the middle of the street with grills and kids and everything. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. How was your weekend?
0: Oh, that sounds terrific. Mine was a little quieter than that. One of our daughters, our youngest daughter, is back uh, with us now from college and she's interning. Uh, her summer vacation was a Sunday and then she got uh, right back to work uh, you know, as an intern. So we had that going on. It was a nice quiet and I heard from my other daughter. So it was a a nice Father's Day weekend for me. Uh, Tell us about the car you're going to be talking about this week.
1: I drove the 2022 Nissan Altima. It's the SR trim with the Midnight Edition package. So it's a very good-looking car. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it with you.
0: Yeah, I look forward to talking about that. I got the chance to drive the 2022 Volvo XC40 T5 all-wheel drive inscription in contrast to the XC40 Recharge all-electric. So we'll have some Gasoline versus uh, electric comparison. Here we also have a terrific interview for you. Our tr- our special guest is David Christ. He is the Toyota Group Vice President. He's in charge of the Toyota brand. I had the chance to sit down with him for a wide-ranging, exclusive interview recently, and I think you'll find what he has to say, especially about electric cars, especially interesting. Before we do that, though, we'll bring you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world. So stay with us. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. So welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Christine Jackie Red with you for news time and fascinating news. Of course, Elon Musk always seems to make news. I think he could uh, blow his nose and it would uh, make news somewhere. But uh, this time around, he has revealed that Tesla is going to cut 10% of its salaried workforce over the next three months. Uh, that's interesting because uh, I think most of us think that uh, Tesla's doing quite well. Certainly the stock is still high-flying. Uh, he said the cuts are only going to apply to salaried workers, so white-collar workers, uh, quote-unquote. Uh, so it's a, basically a 3.5% reduction in total headcount. And he described this, I I like his description in in this story, the Reuters story about it, as not super material, (laughs) was his quote. It's probably pretty material to the people who are being laid off, but that's a whole whole different thing. I guess when you're a billionaire, maybe that doesn't seem all that material to you, that you're laying off 10% of your workforce. I'm sure they'll find jobs elsewhere. There's concern about recession, and you know certainly the auto industry has been beaten up already. What's your take on all this? You know, Tesla laying off people, recession talk.
1: I agree with you that that I think the person being laid off probably feels that this is a material change in their lifestyle. But uh, from Musk, you know, for all of his bravado, he does have a pretty decent window into what's going on in the world. You know, they have factories in China and Germany, and and they sell cars everywhere. So uh, I can see where there might be some valuable insight there, but. Uh, you know, from a perspective of of just the economy in general, we're going to we could end up in a situation where uh, prices are still not coming down due to the recession. Inflation is still uh, where it is and the people's wages are being depressed or are slowed uh, through growth and the, uh, through a recession. So we could end up in a situation where prices are still high and people just aren't making enough money to pay for these things, which is already the case for a lot of us. So. Uh, I can see why he's worried and why they want to focus their resources on production as opposed to management. Uh, However, that's a big cut.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a big cut, absolutely. And a lot of times companies will take something external, like talk of recession, and there's been a lot of talk of recession over the course of the last two weeks, just in the news generally, to make personnel cuts that they probably wanted to make anyway, right? They (laughs) trim the workforce, okay, Let's uh, get rid of some of the chaff here and keep the wheat. And uh, so maybe that's what they're doing here. Uh, Certainly, it's not 100% that we're going to have a recession. And I certainly hope we don't. Uh, There's a lot of signs that say we might, though, given the the fact that inflation is rising rapidly. We've now had interest rates boosted over the course of the last week or so. And pretty seriously, that's got to uh, clobber the housing market, I would think. It's interesting that we're attacking inflation caused by energy policy by attacking uh, monetary policy or by changing monetary policy. I don't quite understand that, but that's what we're doing. And, uh, you know, this is not a show about economics, so I guess we'll leave it at that. Uh, Any other comments on this, Chris, before we move on?
1: No, I'll just just say that I I agree with your comment about uh, perhaps cutting the workforce down as a planned action as opposed to a reaction to something that's happening. You know, I think Tesla... As, as a lot of companies did during the pandemic, went on a hiring spree uh, to keep up with demand. And now they're realizing that maybe they, as you said, we need to cut some of the chaff uh, or some of the fat. Not that any of those people that are working there are, are fat or chaff, but uh, from their view that, you know, that's an expense that they could be spared.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's uh, a life changer for all those people who are getting laid off. So uh, our best wishes to them. And I- I'm certain that they will find gainful employment somewhere else. And so that's a good thing for them. Well, here's a story I found interesting, too. General Motors is uh, raising the price of its Hummer EV by over $6,000. They're citing uh, commodity and shipping costs as the reason for this. This is a big, big increase in price. This is a pickup truck. This is their all-electric pickup truck, of which they're very proud. It costs between $80,000 and $110,000. So that's a big hike in cost. You just don't see uh, price increases like that very often. But it will come on vehicles that are not reserved by people already. Apparently about 77,000 people have raised their hands and said, yeah, I want to buy one of these things. That's an awful lot of electric pickup trucks that cost 80,000 plus to sell. But the price hike will come after that. Uh, this is also good news for those people who have those bookings because they'll probably be able to turn over that truck for, uh, well, at least sixty-six thousand dollars more just on the basis of the fact that that's, the, that's going to be the new list price. How do you feel about that, Chris?
1: Yeah, I think we're going to see, well, first of all, we're already seeing some $200,000 auction listings for these vehicles. So uh, the market for these is absolutely unlike anything I've ever seen. You know a $6,000 price increase sounds like a lot and it is I mean it's what a 5 almost 6% increase in price depending on on the base price but Uh, It's not all that surprising. You know, we just got done talking about Tesla. They've raised prices across the board several times and on a few models multiple times, you know, throughout this year. Uh, And we've seen that from other automakers, too. I don't know that this makes me that much more comfortable. Uh, We talked a few weeks ago about direct sales to consumers. Uh, Dealer markups are something that everybody loves to hate on. But if the automaker is doing the markups for you, it really doesn't help to cut out the dealer. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, kind of. It bogs that argument down a little bit.
0: Yeah, that is a very good point, Chris. Very good point. Apparently, General Motors is claiming, at least, that they have sucked up $5 billion in higher supply chain costs before they've gone to raising prices. They've done some price uh, price increases and certainly they've cut expenses, but you know that's a lot of money to suck up. Uh, another uh, automaker that's suffering from supply chain problems, of course, is Rivian, They had increased their prices 20 percent and then people complained, (laughs) hey, don't do that. Uh, These are people who had already booked vehicles. So they rolled those prices back. Uh, It'll be interesting to see whether we're going to see this in uh, non-EVs going forward, too, because the supply chain is not supply chain problem is certainly not uh, confined to electric vehicles.
1: Yeah, the world certainly needs more affordable vehicles of all types, especially EVs. So uh, it's discouraging to see that <laughs> these steps being taken. I mean, I can understand why, but it's still discouraging to see it. That being said, you know, at least GMC uh, took the step to not roll roll prices forward for people who had already placed orders. I think that was the thing you just mentioned. Rivian shot themselves in the foot doing that. Uh, so they at least said, you know, if you already have a reservation, we're not going to Jack the price on you, but uh, no good for future buyers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you, if inflation is going up, you know, 8% a month or something like that, I mean, the figures are staggering how prices are increasing just all around. It's logical to think that the auto manufacturers would also have to have to deal with that and participate in it for that matter. So we'll see how that will develop. Here's something that needs to to develop if we're going to see more EVs, and that is the electric grid. And it's something you and I have talked about here. It's not heavily talked about, though. Uh, but there's uh, some nonprofits that put together reports saying, "Hey, <laughs> we need better electric grid technology, and uh, there are great possibilities offered by a technology called vehicle-to-grid or V2G." But that won't happen unless we do some upgrading uh, and. Uh, I think you've talked about that, uh, certainly uh, living in Maine, the electrical grid is a, a bit of a challenge there. Uh, sometimes it's a challenge here in Southern California as well. Sometimes I think we're living in a third world country here in Southern California with brownouts, but the grid is very, very critical to the of electric vehicles, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I talk a lot about the quantity or the numbers of chargers that we have here, but I think it's important, and, and I'm far from an engineer, so I won't go too deep into something I don't understand, but it's also important to understand that Tons of electric vehicles place a load on the system and so the system can only handle so many things placing a load on it. You mentioned brownouts in Southern California, Texas had issues with everyone trying to heat their homes a few years ago and you know when it gets really hot, everyone using air conditioners. So what that's what's that going to do when people need to charge their cars uh, as well and especially if they're doing that at home. So Uh, I can see that this is going to take some work. Uh, I have no idea what the price is going to be, but it's almost uh, impossible to believe that it'll be cheap. (laughs)
0: Yeah, absolutely true. Well, something that isn't cheap either are uh, autonomous vehicles, and maybe we will see them from makers like uh, Mercedes-Benz. They are saying, uh, Mercedes-Benz is saying, they're going to stand behind, uh, from a liability point of view, their SAE Level 3 autonomous technology, Uh, This is the trickiest, I think, of all the technologies, Chris, because this is the uh, thing where the car largely drives itself. But if something goes wrong, the driver has to take over at an instant's notice. And uh, I think that's very difficult to see how uh, that transition is going to work well in many situations. What's your quick take on uh, level three tech from Mercedes Benz and them saying that they will take on this liability.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good thing for drivers, right? So, you know, you think about it from the driver's perspective, you're, you're in a car that says it can control itself. And then you're asked to take note or take control of the moment's notice. The decisions that the car might've been making up until that point might not have been the decisions that you as the, as the person inside of it would have made. So, uh, would you preserve yourself versus preserving a group of other people? Uh, the car would likely choose to kill one person as opposed to seven or eight. So uh, I could see how that would be a frightening, but Mercedes doing this, uh, is a signature of confidence in their system. And it provides a level of confidence for the drivers knowing that if the car does do something that is, you know, out of the ordinary or, or whatever the case might be, they're not going to get sued. Or at least if they do, Mercedes will theoretically step in and take the, take the blame.
0: <laughs> well, after hearing that, I'm not so confident, but <laughs> there there we go, you know. How many are we going to kill? I'm not wild about that. Well, when we come back, we're going to be doing some road testing on a happier happier note. Uh, Chris will be testing the Nissan Altima SR Midnight Edition. I will be road testing the Volvo XC40. So stay with us for that right here on America on the Road. <music> Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris with you in his road test time fascinating vehicles we have. We don't test that many Nissan vehicles. And Chris, you were driving a Nissan Altima, one of their bread and butter vehicles. Why don't you tell us about
1: that? I did get to spend the week with Nissan, uh, the Nissan Altima, and you're correct. I don't also see a lot of those uh, in the fleet here, but it's always a treat to get to uh, test them when they come out. Uh, I'll start by saying Nissan is going to uh, refresh the Altima for 2023. It's going to get uh, a light facelift and some new technology. This car that I'm driving that we're talking about today Today is the 2022 model, so uh, it's the one that you can currently buy at a local dealer, assuming that they're not all sold out, uh, and the one that's been on sale for a few years. I was testing the SR trim, which is the next-to-highest trim below the Platinum model, uh, with the Midnight package, which is an appearance package uh, that brings 19-inch wheels, black wheels, uh, blacked-out exterior trim. Uh, and a, it's a very sharp looking car. But uh, in any case, the SR trim with the, the plat, I'm sorry, the SR trim with the Midnight Edition uh, package starts at around $28,000, a little bit more than $28,000. The top Platinum model starts at just shy of thirty-six. dollars So these are pretty good values, Jack. I think that for the price, you get a lot. Uh, my SR trim came with all wheel drive, which is uh, pretty rare in the segment. The Altima competes against the Accord and the Hyundai Sonata, uh, neither of which order or offer those. The Camry does. Uh, and the Subaru Legacy does. Have you had a chance to get behind the current Altima, Jack? And what do you think about it? I have driven the, the
0: current Altima. I have not uh, driven an all-wheel drive. And I'm I'm kind of regretting the fact that you don't, probably don't have snow there in Maine <laughs> <laughs> at the end of June here. Um, because uh, I think that would be interesting. And I think we're seeing more and more all-wheel drive vehicles. Some because they're electrified and that's fairly easy to do. But uh, this is not that. But uh, I think it's a an advantage for the Altima.
1: Yeah. And you know, most people, my wife made fun of me when I moved here uh, to Maine, I got an all wheel drive car. She'd been driving rear wheel drive and front wheel drive cars forever with nice snow tires and they do just the same according to her. So I think that, you know, this gives buyers just that level of confidence, especially if they live in a place like I do where the air hurts your face for at least a few months of the year. Um, In any case, uh, Nissan offers the Altima of two different powertrains. Uh, The one that I tested, it came with a turbocharged 2.5 liter four cylinder engine. It makes 182 horsepower in all-wheel drive models. The front-wheel drive models get 188 horsepower. Nissan makes what they call a VC turbo engine. It's a variable compression turbo engine. Uh, It makes 248 horsepower. That is available for the SR trim only with front-wheel drive. Uh, And the car comes with a continuously variable transmission. Now, Jack, you and I have talked at length about CBTs, continuously variable transmissions, how they kind of blunt the driving experience. They can let the engine whine at times. Um, And it just feels a little squishy when it's compared to like a six-speed or an eight-speed or so on Mm -hmm. automatic transmission. And we've also talked about Nissan's efforts on these gearboxes. And I think that this is a good example of how well they've been able to uh, engineer this thing to be uh, usable and I won't say engaging, but at least to stay out of the way. So this is not... transmission that lets the engine wail away on the highway it doesn't whine or drone Uh, and when you're driving around at at city speeds you can barely tell that there's no there are no gears being shifted under you at all so very refined very smooth operation of the powertrain i mean i will say that 182 horsepower is a little uh, a little loose for this car i think you know 200 225 would probably be a good sweet spot Uh, but i guess that's why they hold back the turbocharged vc engine uh for the higher spoken
0: like an auto enthusiast on the radio (laughs) absolutely
1: chris yeah and jack i don't know if you've driven the the variable compression engine and i'd like to get your thoughts on it but uh what do you think about it compared to the the regular four-cylinder engines in these cars from
0: a technical point of view an engineering point of view a theoretical point of view it's super cool i think in actuality though it doesn't strike me that you get that much more performance or fuel economy than you would get from just a a well-tuned, turbocharged engine of the same displacement. So congratulations on the engineering. I'm not seeing that as a a big advantage to anybody in the real world.
1: Yeah, you're right there. It's almost like uh, they did it just because they could. But I think, uh, you know, like you say, the engineering there is impressive. In any case, all but the base Altima for 2022 come with an 8-inch touchscreen. Uh, runs Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. Uh, Nissan's infotainment system is not the most colorful or the most flashy, but it is fairly intuitive after a day I was able to use it without much thought uh, The touchscreen is responsive. So all these are things that help reduce distraction while you're driving. So uh, big help there The car comes standard with a list of uh, safety features uh, Ford, I'm sorry, Ford collision warnings, automatic emergency braking uh, my car, being a higher trim, got blind spot monitoring, rear cross traffic alerts. Uh, so, Jack, I have to say, I've never, I haven't driven a recent Altima, and this was a good change for me to see what the car is all about. I can't wait for the 2023 model, uh, but I think if it carries the same value that this car does, uh, it'll be a compelling buy and a must-see f- for anybody shopping in the segment, even if there are better offerings out there.
0: Yeah, I think it's certainly worth a look, and uh, you know, I love these uh, midsize sedans, and uh, the Altima has always been a good one, so certainly worth taking a look at. Well, I was driving a vehicle that is in the middle of a, a growing field of luxury vehicles. These are uh, luxury brand uh, compact crossovers, and the vehicle I'm testing is the Volvo XC40. We have talked about the XC40 Recharge on the show fairly recently. I I tested a more conventional gasoline-powered version of the vehicle this time around. But there's some some pretty cool vehicles in this segment. The BMW X1, the Lexus UX200. Yes, the UX200, probably forgotten by many. And the Mercedes-Benz GLA, the GLA 250, all competing for the the same buyer here. This is a a very distinctive-looking car. Uh, the vehicle I was driving had all, all-wheel drive, of course, bundled with the T5 powertrain. That's the up-level powertrain, until you go to the recharge. And uh, I will tell you a little bit more about that as I, I get to powertrain here. But I had an inscription version. That's the most luxurious model in the lineup. The MSRP is uh, over $40,000, but less than $50,000. Nice interior trim, including real wood. I, I love the way... Uh, Volvo treats the wood. Uh, it actually looks like wood. It doesn't look like shiny plastic, uh, which I think is cool. It has good stuff like eight-way power adjustable driver and front passenger seats, power-operated lumbar support, dual-zone climate control, very important in this, this segment, 19-inch alloy wheels. So, you know, good array of stuff. Let me tell you a bit about the powertrain. Uh, it's a two-liter four-cylinder engine. As is practically every European vehicle out there. (laughs) It's kind of amazing the number of two liter four cylinders uh, that are on the market. Uh, In this form, it is turbocharged. It delivers 248 horsepower, which is a nice amount of horsepower. Uh, Reasonable level of uh, peak torque, 258 pound feet. Uses an eight speed automatic transmission. Uh, All of that is good. Uh, It compares well to the other gasoline-powered cars in the segment. It doesn't compare very well at all to the XC40 Recharge that offers 402 horsepower. Give me your take on the powertrains in these various XC40s, Chris. I'm curious as to how you feel about
1: them. You know, I I always—how do I want to say this— I love the way Volvo does its powertrains, but I think sometimes they they favor complexity over everything else. So we're talking about the XC40, the, the T5 powertrain is a turbocharged 2-liter. If you go to the XC90, uh, you step up to a T6, you get a supercharged and turbocharged engine. Uh, so there's some co- complexity there. I will say that the engine in the XC40, the 248 horsepower, doesn't sound like a ton, but it is a good amount for a vehicle that size It feels lively. Uh, and you know outside of some rough sounds here and there it 's a pretty responsive and, and decent powertrain to deal with on a daily basis
0: yeah, I like it too, and one of the other things I like about the x c forty is just the the interior is is real sweet to me i think it 's beautifully styled. I think the craftsmanship is excellent there 's plenty of room inside Volvo wasn 't afraid to make this vehicle fairly tall, and that contributes to interior space. There's a good amount of cargo space behind the second row seats. Oddly, the BMW X1 has more. I wouldn't have guessed that until I did the math on it, but uh, that's interesting. I wouldn't say that the uh, XC40 had the precision handling of the BMW X1 either, but uh, on the other hand, the ride quality is pleasant. I think people who buy this vehicle will be very happy with this vehicle. It's equipped with the, uh, Volvo census infotainment system, nine inch touchscreen interface, not the most intuitive of all time. And I think, uh, Chris, you've experienced that too, haven't you?
1: I do. There's a, a ridiculous amount of swiping required to get anything done with that system.
0: <laughs> Sometimes I feel like just calling you when I'm driving one of these, Chris, because I know you're a Volvo driver and, and getting a, a short course in how, how this works. Great safety technology, as you would anticipate from Volvo. Uh, it has the city safety array, um, collision warning with automatic braking. It has pedestrian and cyclist detection Large animal detection, too. Uh, Small animals, they're on their own, but uh, it will detect large animals. And oncoming traffic collision mitigation, that's always good. I don't like those head-ons, and I want those mitigated in every way, shape, or form. So, uh, you know, this is a vehicle that I think stacks up really well. It's much less expensive than the all-electric version. This is kind of a heads-up comparison. It has a lot less horsepower, but, boy, it's uh, priced a lot less and uh, a lot easier to live with maybe day-to-day in most situations. So I think we've got really uh, some great driver's cars here in the Nissan Altima and the Volvo XC40. I agree. And when we come back, we will be speaking with David Christ. He is the group vice president in charge of the Toyota division at Toyota Motor Sales uh, USA. So stay with us for that insightful interview. And with Chris Teague, this is Jack D-Rad with you. We're glad you're with us. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and drivingtoday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury. So imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com auto insurance. That's drivingtoday.com auto hyphen insurance. And if you're looking to buy a new car or used car or just care about cars, visit drivingtoday.com. drivingtoday.com, the official automotive website of America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Newgrad with you. We are inside, uh, literally inside, the Toyota headquarters with the
2: guy who's running the brand.
0: David Christ is the Group VP and General Manager of Toyota. Thanks so much for being with us, number one.
2: Jack, thanks. Great to be with you.
0: It's uh, such a pleasure to be here. You've showed us so much Uh, It's hard to scratch the surface, but you've unleashed a bunch of products here. Why don't we kind of dive into that a little bit before we talk about uh, maybe larger issues?
2: Happy to. We've got a lot of great stuff coming. You know, we just launched the BZ4X, which is our first countrywide available all-electric battery electric vehicle. Uh, Phenomenal product, really exciting. Uh, The first customers that have purchased them have had nothing but great things to say about it. So we're really excited about our path uh, to even more electrification. And uh, we're about to launch Sequoia, which is an absolute home run product, really going to expand the segment. And we have a lot of loyal Sequoia buyers who have owned our products for many years, who've been waiting for the new one. Happy to tell you. Late yeah, and summer, this is
0: a full size three row SUV, correct. Uh, big, big market. A, a, a lucrative market, I've got to believe as well, right? A lot of people are spending big money on these vehicles and in, in some volume.
2: So it's got to be
0: exciting for you.
2: Yeah, we expect to uh, at least triple our volume in Sequoia. So we're going to be covering all the people that have waited for Sequoia, along with some new uh, people that are new to the brand. We've got a lot of other great stuff coming with the GR brand, Gazoo Racing brand, uh, which is going to bring some really exciting uh, uh, sports car products to the market Uh, gr86 is going to be phenomenal we're starting a single make series there where uh, regular everyday people can race and that's going to be really exciting we've got a gr corolla coming which we launched a few weeks ago and that has been huge interest uh, in the gr corolla Uh, that car was personally the development of that car was personally overseen by Akio Toyota, our company president, who's also a race car driver. So that's pretty exciting. And uh, we've got a lot of other great stuff coming.
0: You've taken Corolla in some interesting ways, right? I mean, it it used to be kind of, this is it, (laughs) you know, nice conventional transportation car. Now you've taken it in some, some various directions, haven't you?
2: Yeah. So we made a decision several years ago to stay in the sedan business. And we think that was a really great decision. A lot of People don't necessarily want a big SUV or a big pickup truck, and Corolla is... Or are able
0: to afford one, for that matter.
2: (laughs) Correct, and the Corolla is a great offering. Uh, We get a lot of new people to the brand in Corolla, and now with GR Corolla, we're really going to spice it up a bit and have a really fun-to-drive Corolla at the top of the Corolla lineup. So we're very proud of Corolla. It's been around a long time, very successful product, and it's a huge value.
0: Were you kind of jealous of um, the way uh, the media would treat Honda Civic SI? And <laughs> did that, in some ways, lead a little bit to uh, you know making Corolla a bit sportier and, and the GR series and those kind of things?
2: Well, we don't get jealous. We just get to work. So <laughs> Honda makes some great cars. And anytime we have a competitor that comes out with a competitive product, we evaluate it and we figure out what we can do to make our product even better. And it keeps us pushing forward. And uh, I'm happy to say GR Corolla has been a huge hit amongst the press that are here at our event. And I think uh, we've had over 70,000 people raise their hand for more information about GR Corolla. So that in and of itself, uh, given the volume we're going to do, is an enormous uh, comment on how successful the car is going to be. And
0: I've got to believe those vehicles, the GR Corollas, would be incremental to other Corollas you they, would sell. Probably. They
2: are. They are. And they're engineered and designed differently, uh, more born from the track kind of thinking. Uh, the, the Manual
0: transmission. Manual <laughs>
2: transmission, which uh, is making a comeback. So we're excited to have them in the lineup.
0: And uh, talk about Corolla Cross. I think that is such a cool vehicle. I It strikes me as spot on for the marketplace and you're doing some uh, interesting things with that as well, aren't you?
2: Yeah, so we launched Corolla Cross in the fall and it was an effort to create an SUV underneath RAV4 in size and price to really open up the ability for a young person to have a Toyota SUV. It's been a huge success. Uh, We're selling them really well. Consumer feedback has been exceptional and we launched here a Corolla Cross Hybrid which will uh, sell in the fall. And the advantage to that is obviously it, it brings a hybrid powertrain to it, which is more efficient and has more horsepower than the gas variant, and also has the space and the utility that people have come to love in the Corolla Cross. And it's a great, uh, it's a great place for people that wanna downsize or people that wanna get into the brand for the first time. And uh, it's transacting really well.
0: Do you think Toyota customers, and customers in general, but let's talk about Toyota customers, are understanding that there's more to a hybrid than just great fuel economy? Because there certainly is, isn't there?
2: Yeah, so we were the first uh, manufacturer to develop a hybrid, starting with the Prius 23 years ago. Uh, Since then, we've sold sold millions of them. That has resulted in uh, a lot of carbon reduction for the planet, so we're very proud of our hybrid history. Last year we sold about 25% of our entire Toyota lineup was a hybrid. Uh, So we take electrification very seriously. And the advantage to hybrids for the consumer is uh, typically they're more efficient from a gas mileage standpoint than a gas engine. And secondly, uh, many of them have more horsepower and torque. So it's a little bit more fun to drive as well. So it's really a win-win for the environment and for the consumer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In a lot of ways, it's free horsepower. Right? Yep. Who can say no to that? <laughs> right? There you go. Let's talk about Gazoo Racing specifically, You know what that means to the Toyota brand going forward.
2: So Gazoo Racing is a great part of the company. Uh, Gazoo started as a, a, a true on-track racing team, and our CEO and president, Akio Toyota. Uh, raced under the name Marizo, and that inspired the company to start a division that really focused on building cars that are born from the track, as we like to say, meaning they start as race cars, and then they become uh, brought down to the public in a car you can have fun in every day. And the GR GR cars we're coming out with, the GR86, GR Supra, and GR Corolla, all have Elements and um, design, both design and performance characteristics, that we learned and fine-tuned on the track. So anyone buying a GR product knows that this has been a really well thought-through product that started on the track. Give
0: us a little more on the the racing series that you're planning that uh, you know just individuals can <laughs> probably get into without. Mortgaging two or three of their homes. Yeah. So
2: Toyota racing, our division that handles all of our NASCAR and motorsports events uh, and activities are actually selling the cars. Uh, It is a GR 86 um, vehicle, although it is really built for the track. Uh, It is open to the public. So you need to buy one uh, from Toyota racing. And then you can enter, I think it's 17 races in seven locations across the country and it's really going to be a lot of fun
0: it's kind of it's not only a one design series but also isn't maintenance or car prep part of the deal tell us about that
2: yeah so each team is going to need to handle their own um you know repairing and fixing of the cars if they hit the wall or those kinds of things uh but it really opens up and uh you know makes it more democratic the ability to get into racing and it gives people an option that can uh, get into racing without you know, starting at the bottom of a race team on a more uh, advanced circuit.
0: Let's talk about electrification, because it is different for Toyota than it is for uh, what we hear kind of broadly in the press, right? I mean, certainly you've been the leader in hybrids for a you know, uh, better part of three decades now, where others turned up their nose at hybrids, never did them or did them, and walked away from it or whatever. Now we're seeing some mild hybrids coming back into the market, but. Tell us where Toyota is in terms of electrification.
2: So we really believe in a menu approach, uh, and uh, we believe in developing technology in multiple formats and letting the consumer choose. So as I mentioned, we started uh, the, the hybrid craze with the Prius 23 years ago. The Prius has been phenomenally successful, both for the brand and for the consumers that drive it, because it's, it's a really economical way to, to get around and very good for the environment. Well, since then we've grown hybrids across our lineups uh, and we have them for sale. As I mentioned, almost 25% of our volume last year was hybrids. So we kind of know how to do hybrids and we've been very successful at doing hybrids. We also have plug-in hybrids, which really are great options for people that want to plug in, but also want to have the flexibility for longer trips to not have to plug in. So we sell the RAV4 Prime, which has been an enormous success. That's a RAV4 that plugs into the wall, but also has a gas engine. So
0: successful, you can't buy one. (laughs) (laughs) So successful, they're sold out.
2: And then, you know, the other thing that we, as I mentioned, just launched is the BZ4X, which is uh, an all-electric BEV. In addition to that, in the state of California, we sell a fuel cell vehicle called Mirai. And that's been enormously successful with hydrogen technology in giving the customer another option. So we really have four different powertrains, four different technologies that we want to offer to the customer so that they can pick what's right for them. A BEV might be great if you have a garage with a home charger, but it might not be great if you live in a condominium or you rent an apartment so we really want to have that menu approach where it's up to the consumer to pick which technology works for them and their lifestyle and we think that's a a really important differentiator for toyota yeah
0: and it will be going forward it strikes me when a lot of other brands are at least saying they're going all bev all battery electric in a fairly short period of time this even given the fact that we're looking at uh, i think battery electrics is something like 6% market share in that order right about now. That's uh, been a big gain, but 6% sure is not 100%. Sure, <laughs> it's not 50%, right? Sure. How are you approaching that beyond what you've already told us?
2: Yeah, so great question. You know, As far as our strategy on electrification, we, we really run our own race. We know what other brands have announced and we know what we can do. The reality is that we have plans to grow our all electric vehicles, both in volume of the vehicles we sell today, but also across our lineup into other categories. So we know we're gonna be very firmly uh, planted in the electrified space, and we already are with our hybrid sales. We're gonna grow each of those categories. So more hybrids, more plug-in hybrids, more battery electric vehicles, and uh, hopefully with the expansion of the infrastructure of hydrogen, more hydrogen offerings as well. You know, when we look at our strategy, we really look at it from consumer up. So we say, what does the consumer need? And we think right now the consumer needs choices and we provide them for them.
0: I'd love to talk about hydrogen fuel cell vehicles like the Mirai uh, because there's so much about it that, in in a lot of ways, it's very analogous to a gasoline car, right? You fill the vehicle up kind of in the same manner, or at least with the same speed. Uh, So range is not that that big an issue if you had infrastructure to to follow that. I don't see anybody else, really, or or darn few uh, manufacturers even dipping their toe into hydrogen. Where do you think that has a, a place or can go?
2: Yes, yeah, so we've been a strong supporter of hydrogen and very active in helping to improve the infrastructure. So it's a little bit of a chicken or egg discussion, yeah. meaning um, you know does the infrastructure come first and the infrastructure suppliers are reluctant to put the infrastructure in without volume of vehicles to use the infrastructure? And the other side of that coin is, you know, if we sell too many, uh, hydrogen vehicles as an industry, and the infrastructure isn't ready for it, it's not a good customer experience. Uh, so they and they really, could
0: kill the technology, really. That, that's yeah, right. Yeah. So they really
2: need to grow together, meaning the infrastructure needs to come along with the volume. There are other brands selling hydrogen vehicles, but we not only are the lion's share of the segment at over 70%, uh, we're also kind of on the front line of the discussion with the states and the municipalities to say this is a great option for the environment, and we really need to get behind it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's exciting, and uh, this is exciting times. Absolutely. uh, Absolutely. So, David, Chris, thanks so much for talking with us. I, I really do appreciate it.
2: Jack, thanks for having me.
0: And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road. It is our final segment. It seems like the time just goes so fast when we're talking about cars, Chris. But thanks so much for being with us. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with, with you. And uh, we're taking questions. And I have an excellent, what I believe is an excellent listener question. Let's hope we have an equally excellent answer to Rico in Pacific Beach, California, who says this. It seems like nobody is really talking about cars these days. All the people I know now drive SUVs. Is there a sedan or two out there that you guys think is really cool?
1: I do think there are a few out there that are really cool. Uh, We were just talking, Jack, over the break about the Honda Civic SI. I think it's an excellent value. Uh, It's got a great transmission, some manual transmission, some great performance. And the price is well below $30,000 to start. If you want to move up to the mid-size segment, you can't go wrong with a Honda Accord or a Toyota Camry, although we did just talk about the Nissan Altima. Uh, Still a good choice, even though it's going to be refreshed next year. Uh, So I think you have some great choices outside of the luxury segment. If you're looking at luxury cars, uh, BMW's M cars are a great performance. Uh, They're not a value, I was going to say that, but uh, you can't really go wrong there either. So there are plenty of sedans out there. Jack, what do you think?
0: Well, the one I identified immediately when I saw this question was a a vehicle I've driven fairly recently, and that's the Mercedes Benz C Class. It is just cool all the way around. It is a mini S Class. Uh, The tech is amazing. Uh, The interior screen is terrific. But I shouldn't dwell on that. I should dwell on the driving experience because it's a blast to drive. It really takes that car. Uh, in a higher performance level. And and when we see the uh, AMG version, I think it's really going to be hot. But I really like what uh, Mercedes-Benz has done with the C-Class. I think it's a terrific car. Uh, I think some might uh, might have scoffed when you said Camry, but there are some really interesting Camrys these days uh, with some performance potential, look pretty cool. Uh, I think there are sedans out there, uh, you know, worthy of note these days. I totally agree with that. Chris, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Jack, for uh, sitting across the country from me while we do this. And thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like what you heard and you want to take us with you, you can find our podcast on the SportsMap Radio website. If you head to the Saturday schedule there, you can find uh, on every major platform our regular podcast as well as a formatted radio version of the show.
0: Absolutely you can. And our thanks to the SportsMap radio network stations for carrying America on the road. We appreciate that. And most of all, thanks to you for listening to America on the road. You're the reason we do what we do here on America on the road. We're here to help and we'd love to help you. So uh, join us each week and join us again next time right here for another edition of America on the road. America on the road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and drivingtoday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com/autoinsurance. That's drivingtoday.com/auto-insurance. And if you're looking to buy a new car or used car, or just care about cars, visit drivingtoday.com. Drivingtoday.com, the official automotive website of America on the Road.